Vorthos, New Decks, and Rivals of Ixalan. Ixalan D&D, Unearthed Arcana, and Miniatures. Dresden Board Game, What Do You Mean? And on this episode, a special for our second anniversary. All this and more on this episode of You Shall Not Pass Go. Welcome to episode 24 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave and Jengiz, and we are hosted on geekade.com. What's your geek? So, <laughs> Vorthos? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I know, it's a strange way to start off the episode. So today, uh, either today or yesterday, a piece of the next part of the Ma- uh, Magic the Gathering, Ixalan, Rivals of Ixalan story dropped. Um... There's, I can't really summarize it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Jace lost his memory, got his memory back. He had more memories. Like, yeah. Like, it was like more than he had the yeah, first time? Ugin had wiped some of his mind already. Oh. Like, it was something crazy. Um, so he has, like, full memories now. Yeah, and then him and Vraska uh, figured out they shared something in common. They're both from Ravnica. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um and uh and so ultimately in the story, Jace explains to Vraska what Nicol Bolas is trying to do. And Vraska explains to Jace some of what Nicol Bolas is capable of. That he's got like a secret meditation plane. Mm. Um so uh apparently Nicol Bolas's goal um of this of sending Vraska to uh, the plane was to find what is it? It's the special artifact. It's the best artifact, the Immortal Sun. Uh, the Immortal Sun locks a planeswalker to a plane, uh, which is funny because that's what the ability of uh, <laughs> that's what the ability of the card is, which we'll talk about later. Um, and with that ability, uh, Nukabols can invade a plane with his army of uh, eternal zombies. Uh, not eternal, like unending, but like they're called eternals because they have this special material infused with them that makes them survive a trip between planes. Mm. Um, so he can he can uh, invade a plane and make sure no one planes walks away. Uh, so he can destroy everyone he ever wanted to. Um, what they figured out was uh, then they tried to figure out. So apparently, like through shenanigans, while. While Nicol Bolas was uh, like devastating Jace's mind because he tried to like peer into Nicol Bolas's mind during their fight on Amonkhet, um, Jace was able to flip this, flip it, and figure out some of what Nicol Bolas is. Didn't actually read his mind. It was like it was a good way to say vague it. imagery. It wasn't that. It was the backdrop of all his thoughts, mm. like the the murmur, the sound behind. Um, is that he wants to go and destroy Ravnica. That's his goal. Why? Who knows? Why would he want to destroy Ravnica? I'm What's sure that, wrong with Ravnica? I'm sure, Just because Jace comes from Ravnica? I'm sure there's like some kind of magical doohickey that it's part of his big plan. Um, and of course, since Jace and Vraska are both from Ravnica... They're like, you know what? We don't want this to happen. But now that Jace has told Vraska, Vraska is like, oh no... We, what can what are we gonna do? The moment he, I go to him, he's gonna know. And so Jace is like, mm, I can use some of the mind wipey stuff they did to me and wipe your mind until the point where we can both where we can both 
exploit some kind of weakness in Nicol Bolas's plan. So he pretty much like erased all her memory of Jace and meeting Jace. And so she was like, Oh, Hey, the thing I'm looking for. And they took it away. Um, Interesting. My concern about this is that I don't want to go back to Ravnica a third time. (laughs) You don't want the return to the return of Ravnica? For the love of God, like, I mean, clearly it's not the next thing because the next thing is Dominaria. Yeah. And like, is something going to stop them from doing this in the meantime? Because if that's Nicol Balls' goal, Nicol Balls is going to do it. Uh, I have some theories. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? It's all garbage and nonsense in my mind. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I'm just, I'm tired, man. I'm tired of, I'm tired of the chuffa. (laughs) What do you mean? It just all feels like chuffa now. Like, I'm like, this is just contrived story to get us from point A to point B to buy more cards. Mm -hmm. And, which is a shame. I really liked uh, Jace's story. I still always do. I mean, he is their main character. They don't admit it, but I mean, Jace is magic. Honestly, how many stories are about Jace? All of them. <laughs> how many How many Jace Planeswalker cards are there? So many. It's just I I just feel like I'm I'm at a point though where I'm just I'm just sort of done. Like I, it's fun to hear about it from you, but I don't read the story anymore, man, because I'm just like I just feel like we're going around in circles. The reason I don't I re- feel like there's anything fresh. The reason I read this story is, well, one, I like this story because they they like to theme a lot of their cards in the story. Of course. Um, and it's nice. It gives you that extra f- appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, like the fact that, uh, you know, the, what's his faith? The Sphinx from Ravnica, the leader of the... Azor randomly yeah, showed up in Ixalan? Was the person who created the immortal sun. Like, it's... Detain, man. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, uh, and, like, I like to see where they're going. Like, what's, who's the players, you know? I like to see if some... I always like to see if Garak will come back. <laughs> One of these times, he's gonna come back. He's gonna be pissed. Yeah, when he has his mind like fully his again, and he can like not be evil. No, he's still gonna be angry to the point where he'll probably be evil. <laughs> um, what about a Johnny? What's yeah, that guy? He's clearly. I mean, he's there. He's in and out. He's he took the oath. He was um, the, he was the Green Ranger of the Gatewatch, man. <laughs> he was that sixth guy that nobody knew was gonna be there. <laughs> Is, they were is, like, we have one of every color. This is this is all five of our Power Rangers. <laughs> like, great. And then Johnny was like, yo, guys, it's me, Tommy. It's Morphin time. <laughs> it's because he's the lion. And green and white. <laughs> he's literally Tommy. That's well done. Well done, sir. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so clearly it's not next. Dominaria is next. I was like, I'm curious. My theory is that they're going to do something like... <clears throat> Something like crazy, like multiplane, multiball, like the set where it's going to be kind of like Lara, but not really. Where like multiple factions are going to be like, they're going to call it something that's not Ravnica. They're going to call it like, uh, like the Bolus's end or something like that. Or like, bol- like, but this- do we need another Bolus set. Because we just had Bolus. Unfortunately, Bolus is the big bad. So it's hard to really do a set. 
like that involves bolus which uh without having a bolus maybe i don't think maybe they'll lure him to dominaria oh that'd be cool or like something like under the guise of it like maybe they can figure out a way to like alter the plane ways yeah like to make him to make him come to dominaria And, and then like if you think of the three walkers that they are advertising for dominaria that's a good bolus takedown team. I would say you have to ferry. Oh. Who it's like, oh, I'm gonna cast things at god speed. Not even you'll be able to keep up. And then you have Joyra. That's like when shit goes wrong, I'm just gonna turn time around on its face. <laughs> and then Karn could be the person to work the immortal sun. He's like, oh, you have an artifact that you need to control. I got this. They actually said that the the only thing that Ravnica that could face off against Nugal Bolas was Niv Mizzet. Um. Which is which kind of makes a dragon sense. versus a dragon exactly a, a very powerful magical dragon versus yeah. a very powerful a magic. blue red magical yeah. <laughs> dragon. Nicol Bolas is black though. I know that's death. He's Grixis actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's something I wanted to uh, bring up because it was like it was weird. That is interesting. I, like, I don't want to go Ravnica. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Every time a Ravnica set comes out, I get I get tap I get the Shocklands, and I want more Shocklands. <laughs> so I'm good. I'm good with Ravnica again. If we're really gonna do this again. You know, you get it's a lot of multicolor, but like honestly, I going back to Ravnica before going back to Alara seems weird, but I don't think we need to go back to Alara. Alara got like super bone. It did, <laughs> but I mean, so did Dominic. <laughs> so did so did freaking Mirrodin, which yeah. is now New Phyrexia. New Phyrexia, <laughs> which I mean is its own bag of bag of issues. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that is interesting. Um, I'm sure there's going to be like a. Uh, uh, blogatog or something that's gonna be like no we're not going back to Ravnica yeah right <laughs> like someone like you know Rosewater will come up like no we're not going back to Ravnica yeah don't worry everybody we, we got this uh so you built some new decks I did build some new decks speaking of not looking at the past and doing things new mm-hmm. you know I, I I thought to myself so the 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 impetus of this obviously was that I, I've been bringing one deck to our magic gathering a I'm good a, deck mind you yes solid Posh, deck Prosh works man a great deck you know I I adore it because it can win in many situations mm-hmm. uh, it also has especially especially in the renegade situation which i feel is a very difficult if you're not playing like a very heavy control kind of deck mm-hmm. um it's difficult to really win in that situation and despite the fact that renegade won a couple times in our last game yeah. <laughs> um but that's, that's one of the reasons why i really like it plus you know big creatures but i was like you know what i want to make a new deck i've always been itching to make the dinosaur deck so i was like to dave like hey i'm gonna probably try to make a new deck i'm gonna proxy out a deck um, you know, he's like, Oh, what are you gonna make? I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make dinosaurs. And he's like, ah, all right. I mean, like, well, I was like, what's wrong? Uh, you know, I, I expect you something else, but I mean, yeah, you know, make dinosaurs. I was like, I didn't say it to him, but I was like, Well, David, well, I'll show you, I'll show you all. <laughs> and I was like, I'll make a second deck. And I was like, uh, here we go, making a second deck. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to try this out. I made a third deck. I inspired you. And I made a fourth deck. <laughs> <laughs> so I made ultimately. So your printer went through the ringer this weekend. My or that work weekend. printer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. And uh, I made, yeah, Four decks? Three decks? Did I make four? Count it off by commander. Dinosaur? Okay. Dinosaur, vampire, uh, crucifix, and yes, there was a fourth one. I just don't remember right now. I also don't remember. 
Um, we'll go with the three that I remember, though. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to play them. I did. I did get to play them. What'd uh, you think? I like them all. Ex- Good. Uh, so some, there are some weaknesses in some. Yeah. Um, but then again, it also depended on the board, like the state of the board. And that's the always time. the case. Yeah. I don't feel like I got... So let's start. I, the first deck I decided to make was uh, Edgar Markov, um, Big Daddy Markov, yeah. uh, Vampire deck. Mm-hmm. It was relatively easy. I actually own like a good portion of that deck because I got the the Planeswalker deck or not Planeswalker deck, Commander, the Commander deck. deck. Yeah, uh, and a lot of the cards in there were perfect for the deck that I was making. I just had to add a couple, get rid of some of the the lesser you know, cards and add in some more utility. Sure. Um, and some more, you know, buff all around tribal buff. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, you know, it was good. It was solid, but people were definitely scared. Like they didn't want it to go off. Well, nobody wants any deck to <laughs> yeah, go off. No, but like, I don't know. I don't know if it was, just, I just felt like I felt attacked. <laughs> <laughs> um, literally. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I need to play that one more. Uh, Dinosaurs, just di- uh, so that was the one deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, second deck, I'm, oh, I should also mention all my decks. I wanted to make creature decks, <laughs> like regardless of what color they were. I was like, at the core of it, I love creatures. Mm-hmm. I love playing creatures. Yeah, I love. You want aggro decks? Yeah, I want not necessarily creature aggro, aggro. Yeah, big stompy mid range kind of mm-hmm. like aggro. If you were to name it anything, sure, as mid range of as commander can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, vampires was a really e- good easy choice because there's a lot of great vampires throughout the history of Magic, um, and the fact that Edgar boost them and you can get other stuff to boost your vampires and make your vampires stronger. And the fact that even just in the command zone, every time you cast a vamp, you get a free vamp. Exactly. That's huge. It is huge. Um, I feel like I could have used some, I don't know if I just didn't get them, but like cheaper vampires to mm. get like more tokens out on the field. Yeah, that was my issue um, with my Edgar Markov deck too. I had to, I ended up going back and like taking out a huge bunch of my bigger vampires because I realized it was, it was quicker and more effective to play like the cheapy guys and get like, you know, if you're playing three Two two vampires on a turn and getting another three one one vampires on the turn. I mean that it's it's a huge huge increase in your creature pool rather than paying six mana seven mana and playing like a big stompy vampire and getting one extra creature. Um, because if you're playing a lot of those board buffs like you know Gauntlets of Power or Cage Sun or um, Coat of Arms or um, any of the new you know all your creatures of the same thing get plus one plus one whatever it is. Um, your global buffs, if you will, um, you get more value playing lower creatures and getting the tokens out because even if everything's two, two and one, one, if everything's getting boosted plus three, plus three, yeah, you're getting huge value as opposed to playing the one six, six that becomes a nine, nine and getting a four, four out of it. Like, that's great. But wouldn't you rather have like three four fours oh, yeah. and five you know, or four, you know, whatever it is that just get boosted more and more yeah. as you attack. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so definitely yeah. I think I th- that's the way to go. We'll have to take a look at it, retool it. Um, so that was vampires. Uh, next deck was uh, obviously dinosaurs. Yep. I wanted to make dinosaurs. I thought it was interesting that you used the commander from Ixalan original. Yeah. I just felt like. Did you see the elder? Yeah, like he's elder, in there. elder dino. He's in there. Yeah, yeah. He's the in calamity. Yeah, uh, yeah. Zakama, primal calamity. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, he's in there. 
I just like the utility of pulling another dinosaur. Yes. Yeah. I like the fact that I if I a- swing, like it's threatening for him to be out there. Mm-hmm. Because if I hit someone, I there's a possibility I could drop four dinos. And they're all all the dinos in that deck were useful in some way, whether they're powerful or they have utility or mm-hmm. they have, you know, there was a lot of ETB. There's a lot of enter the battlefield effects on the dinosaurs I picked. Sure. Um, because it's just like you want to make, a, you know, not to slam my hand, but like every time a dinosaur comes out, you feel it like, you know, and yeah. like, I like that. And that's a good feel for the, it's uh, the same concept of my man, my uh, Maelstrom Wanderer deck. You know, my, my, my whole thing was that when I cascade, I wanted to go into things that are going to have enter the battlefield effects. So every time I cascade, you're just like, man, this is the worst, but you don't want to kill my Maelstrom Wanderer, even though he's giving haste and he's really big and powerful because you're just like, man, if I kill him, he's just going to come back with more things that are going to do more things. Makes it a really hard decision. in uh, when I play that deck, a hundred percent. Um, but yeah, so a lot of, I mean, obviously a lot of the cards from that deck, I don't have a lot of them. I actually did buy a couple packs, uh, beforehand. I did actually pull a couple, like two dinosaurs and a couple ancillary creatures that help the dinosaurs get stronger or make them cheaper to cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus all the generic commander cards that you can just have. Right. Um, but it was an interesting thing that I even think about was that the dinosaur deck, it didn't come into play. Um, but Ascend from Rivals mm-hmm. was a thing. Get the blessing of the city and certain cards become more powerful when you have the blessing. Mm-hmm. And that's easy for a dinosaur deck mm-hmm. because you, you want to get creatures out on the field. Sure. So like that was an interesting concept. But I it, think the Ascend mechanic is really good for Edgar Markov. Oh, 100. I think he's I don't know if it's in there. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I would have to look at my uh, my deck list again. Mm-hmm. But I know there is there are Ixalan cards uh, in that Edgar Markov deck. Cool. Um, because there's a, there's some good vampire vampires are a big part of uh, Ixalan. Yeah, they're even White a, vamps. They're a tribe. We're simultaneously um, reviewing the new Ixalan set, so <laughs> this is great. We're knocking two birds with one stone right now. Um, but you know, uh, but yeah, the a lot, lot of white vamps, a lot of white vamps in mm-hmm. rivals, yeah, mm-hmm. which is fine because those, which is great, it falls into the colors of Edgar Markov, yep. Um, and like ultimately, dinosaurs, I feel like I want to play it more just because, like, it's hard to say because, like, you're always threatening because people know the moment you hit that mana and like you start casting, you know, Gisath, yeah, um. Start things will start to ramp. Yeah, it's and the same like, thing with Kali. It's yeah. the same thing with anything that has an effect that's going to do things. So people are always like keeping an eye on your board state and like, I just have to try it out more and uh, see if I can actually pull off some of the crazy stuff that I'm able to. And how about Krufix? Krufix. So Krufix was an interesting one. Uh, I'll be honest, that one was a partially a net deck because mm-hmm. um, I was because previously I had an idea for Krufix. Uh, Krufix Master of Hydras mm-hmm. um, because of the fact that the mana never left as long as Krufix was in play you can store up a fair amount of mana cast a really nasty Hydra um, and you know I played around with a little bit there were some good Hydras but not really a lot of great Hydras yep. and plus like they're all really susceptible they, they really the only thing they do is get big yeah um, Most of them just get big, but they're very easily killed. Exactly, or killed or removed, and you, you have to rely on the like other things, ancillary buffs. 
Uh, so I saw this deck and I was like, this other deck, and I was like, oh, what's this one about? It's, it was like, uh, it was like a highly rated Krufix deck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I was looking at the cards. I'm like, oh, there's, you know. Uh, so ultimately the deck is just, <clears throat> it's like Krufix Master of the Deep, I would say, uh, because he, all the deck is largely Leviathans, Octopi, the the things that you know Lovecraftian in love, nature. Yeah, Lovecraftian horrors. Uh and they all have very That's what interesting you call that deck. Yeah, right. Lovecraftian horrors. That's a really good name for that deck. Um the the deck has a lot of with with Leviathans and the Krakens. Krakens was it? Krakens Leviathans. Release the Kraken. <laughs> you get a lot of great um control. Just built in control. They tap creatures a lot. They tap other things. Sometimes they remove th- bounce things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not a ton of like actual control. Like I don't really play a lot of counter spells. I do play like uh, cyclonic rift and stuff like that for times I need it. Yeah, you know. But largely, it's about just making these making like, a splash. Making a splash. <laughs> <laughs> I think you saw the uh, the quest. Uh, there's a que- the yeah. quest. I forget Ulan's. I believe something like that. Quest for Ula's temple. Yeah, Ula's temple. Something like that. Which yeah. is like a really. It, I usually got it in like when it goes off. It's to, I can start just like pulling out you know monsters and just like getting in my hand and then like I can start putting them on the field because I'll have plenty of mana at that point. Right. Um. And with Krufix on the field, he's relatively cheap to get out. Mm. Um, five mana, I think. Like, yeah. He once he's on the field, one is indestructible, so people have to be very specific about the removal they want to do. Mm-hmm. And two, it's just like I could start like tapping mana and like, or if I have extra mana, if I'm waiting on something, turn passes right before my turn, get some extra mana in there, mm-hmm. um, and it just makes things casting things easier. I can do stuff like monstrosity more. And it's like, it's really fun. It was fun. It was actually, of the three decks, I had the most fun with Krufix just because like- Got that little taste of control. That's what it was, Jengis. <laughs> it was like, oh, look at this. Because, I can control things. Because I can deal with the things that would prohibit my creatures from you attacking. You can control them. Yes, Jengis. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. Um, oh, Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, those were the three decks I made. Yeah. I don't think there was a fourth deck. I made three decks. Um, I looked at my Instagram and I was like, no, it's only three decks. <laughs> what was interesting is uh, we reconnected uh, with an old buddy of mine. His name's Randy. Uh, and you should say you. And then like, well, were we? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, Jenkins has never met him, but we connected because he came to the, the, uh, the event and what was interesting, um, the reason I bring this up is because it's the first time that we've had a player from outside of our regular uh, group uh, come in and play our version of Commander with the bang, sort of pseudo bang rules the, and the special the cards and the roles. Yeah. With our special, yeah. And it was interesting for me to see his reactions and sort of get a feel and he really enjoyed it like we've created a very fun game because the one thing that he was worried about going into it um he had mentioned that he usually stays away from commander and multiplayer games in general 
because of the politics. Oh, yes. And I was we like, take the politics out. Of yeah. <laughs> I was like, it just so happens like our version of the game really takes those politics away um, because of the rules we've set forth, both in terms of the role cards and the way in which the game is played. And the fact that we don't table talk. We don't talk about. Yeah, yeah. Which if we if as we develop this even more and create a rule book, we should add that in. Like there's no role talk. It avoids the political situation and the climate, at least to some degree. Um, so I, I kept asking him, I was just like, you know, cause I also didn't want to bore him and I was hoping he was having fun. And I was like, you know, I remember asking, I was like, did you have fun or have you, are you having fun? He was like, if I wasn't, I would have left already. And I was just like, damn, all right, cool. It was, it was very honest. <laughs> yeah. And, um, he, uh, he, he liked it so much. In fact, uh, he enjoyed himself that he messaged me later and he said that he was inspired to now, build a few more decks because he felt like his deck was very, very quick sort of thrown together. Um, he was playing a send triplets deck. Um, and now that kind of has more of the hang of the game. And then I think that he, he enjoyed it. He's, he's looking forward to the next time. So I think that's pretty good, positive feedback. It's, I mean, granted it's, it's also just great to see him in general for me personally, but, um, it's, it's, it was also like as, as a secondary boon to him coming, it was awesome to sort of have that input and see someone who's, cause he's been playing magic for years to see him adapt to it and, and enjoy yeah. it so much that he wants to do it again. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, uh, let's round out our little magic talk mm-hmm. with just kind of finish up our, our thoughts on rivals. So rivals of Ixalan. Um, we talked about the immortal sun. We talked about white vamps, some new dinosaurs, a couple more notes about immortal sun. I think immortal sun is going to be a staple in a lot of coming like going forward in commander i feel like immortal especially control commander maybe yeah i mean i could see that there's a lot of good stuff on immortal sun first of all it's six drop but it's it's an artifact so it's all colorless so it could be augmented you know Mm -hmm. you can get that mana from anywhere Players can't activate Planeswalker's loyalty abilities. If you don't play, like, if you if you know that... That includes you. It does include you, yes. But if you know someone's playing, like, a Super Friends deck or something like that, that's what I'm saying. Not all, but some. Like, if you know your meta, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, once and again, it's, it's extra draw, and all your spells cost one less, and creatures you control get plus one, plus one. You'd have to be playing a creature-heavy non-Planeswalker deck. You've I got planeswalkers. I, threw, I have some, but they're not integral to the deck. No, but when they come out, they really help. They do, but that's why I would make the decision of where I am in the game of whether I want to play the Immortal Sun. Right. If I get Immortal Sun out early and I haven't drawn a planeswalker, right. then I'm like, I'd rather you know, Immortal Sun's what I'm going to go with. And obviously, yes, it's going to get a lot of board hate. Probably like probably get removed or countered if someone has it in hand. If you know, honestly, if people aren't playing Super Friends, I don't think it would get as much board hate as you think. Especially because it's so late in the game. Um, I don't know. It's just a lot of strength, though. One less mana to cast everything. And creature. And yeah, I understand. It's for creature main. It's for mainly creature decks. Yeah. And even then, like, once I again, I guess that's it's, why I'm it's so enticed so... about it is because I play things that cast a lot, uh, cost a lot to cast creatures, and right. having extra card draw is very useful. I might put it in elves. Elves, yeah. I mean, I've only got. I've got Nissa in there, and I maybe have. Uh, and I have Fraley's. Um, but it's not they're like you said, they're not an, um, an important integral part of the deck. Um, so I'd put it in elves. I feel like the rest of my decks though. Oh, I'd put it in Perforos, red goblin Perforos, because Hell yeah. I don't think I have a single Walker in that deck actually. So that might be the perfect deck for it. Um, did you get one? 
I have not bought Rivals yet. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, no. I've just, you know. Yeah, I understand. I mean. Money. Um, figuring it out. Trying to sell some uh, some cards on eBay. Make the money I need for, for Rivals. But I haven't, I haven't bought a, a set of Rivals yet. Uh, when I do, hopefully I'll get a, an Immortal Sun. Um, but yeah, moving on to the rest of our review. Um, I like the set. Solid set. Not a lot of cards that like stood out to the point where I was like, I want to talk about this. Um a couple great multicolor flips, just like they did the single color flips that, you know, the cards that are enchantments that turn into lands. Um, a couple really nice ones that you can check out in your own time. Um, what else would you say? There's an interesting extra turn mechanic guy in there I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he says he has an ability. You can activate it at sorcery speed, gives you an extra turn, and then you throw that card at the bottom of your deck, um, which is interesting. I think ultimately they didn't really put a lot of power and rivals. No, it feels like a more low power set, which is fine. I for, mean, for, relatively, like there are there are certain bombs, but even still, like it's not. There's not a lot of cards that you look at them and you're like, oh my god, this is a, a huge game changer. It's just like little things. I, I feel like a lot of it also is, uh, it, it, you know, there are there aren't as many uh, commander baits. I feel. In this set, mm-hmm. you know, we always like to look for the ones like even like the legendary creatures. I feel like there are other creatures that do what you do, but better, mm-hmm. you know, like Azor is fun, but it's only like a one time lock and then some life game and life gain and draw. I wouldn't use Azor as a commander you know, ever. Uh, Kumena, Tyrant of Ordoraska, the Merfolk legendary. I could see that. If you're playing Merfolk, that's definitely the yeah, commander. I think that's a great uh, Merfolk commander. Um, Alenda the Dusk Rose, which is the legendary vampire. Not not 100% like... That's, I feel like, more of a, a card to put in a vampire deck. In Edgar Markov. It's in Edgar Markov. Mm-hmm. Uh, than to have, uh, to have it actually be, you know... No, I agree. I think that's definitely a part of it. But I'd still say... I mean, I'll give Rivals a single thumb up. Yeah. I don't know if I'd give it two, but I'll give it one. Mm -hmm. There's definitely some great cards. Um, I think the best parts of this are actually the legendary enchantments. Mm -hmm. I think there's a legendary enchantment for most place, a lot of play styles in there that really help out. And they're relatively easy to get done. Um, Obviously, if you're playing a dinosaur tribal deck, who boy are you happy because of all those elder <laughs> dinosaurs? Yep. Uh, they're all really powerful and crazy. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, the forerunners are the forerunner. Uh, what's the word for it? I forget. It's, it's not cycle, but like the like the forerunner set, like the mm-hmm. forerunner of, of, of each color. Um, they're good for tribal. Not really much else. Yep. Um, there's a lot of good tribal stuff. Uh, but beyond that, I don't think like there's anything that's like, this is going to be the card. Yeah. Uh, other than, like I said, I, I'm a big fan of the Immortal Sun. Uh, you're a bit more lukewarm on it. So uh, what about you? Single thumb, two thumb? I would give a single. I mean, it's hard for me to say. From a, you know, Joey. As a set. As not, a, as, not, not as cards. Yeah. As a, as set, a set. Thumbs up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, it looks like it'd be fun. Two uh, thumbs? One thumb? One thumb. Yeah. It looks like it'd be fun to play uh, limited. Uh, oh, yeah. It'd be great. <laughs> limited. Um, so let's move on. Okay. D&D. 
So also speaking of Ixalan. Yeah, they, re- <laughs> they you know, they've they've oh, been nice. releasing concurrently with the new um, every plane jump. They've been pretty consistent about releasing a D&D supplement like, hey, if you want to use this plane in your in your magic D&D campaign, here's what's up. The plane shift series. Yeah, the the actual plane shift itself is it was it was not bad. It wasn't great. It wasn't I mean, bad. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Stand, like I whenever I see one of these, I'm like I kind of roll my eyes a little bit um, because I'm like, it feels forced. Not only does it feel forced, it's like, this is, this is like, this is your internal. I know a lot this of this is like fanboying, not even fanboying. It's a lot of their just internal stuff. Like, cause they obviously they build each plane when they mm-hmm. go to it and they, they obviously like they have story team. I'm sure that's like, this is the, the players of the, you know, and then you just take that and you augment it, tweak it a little bit, add a little bit more words, a little flavoring, a little spice. Guess what? You got your plane shift for yeah. the the set. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's pretty standard. Tells you the locales of uh, of Ixalan. It's not even the plane shift itself that we that we want to discuss. It's what came at the end of it that was yes, interesting. They added an appendix at the end of this uh, plane shift. And essentially, it is the it is the thing that I kind of been I've been waiting for in some ways. When in terms of like in my thought process of how do you incorporate magic into D into D and D really well, and the the question always is is like colors are such a heavy part of magic. The idea of like are you a white colored this, a blue colored that, a green colored this? Are you a multicolor? What do the colors stand for? What do they mean? And how do you apply them to D and D? Well. They give you that information in this. There's it's, so much. They, yeah, they tell you, like, here's each color, and here are ways in which you can either role play or rule play these colors into your game. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's nothing, like, super hard to incorporate, but it definitely lays the groundwork for what I, I would think would be, like, I would... This is the thing I've been waiting for if... Or I should say, this is the thing I would have been waiting for if I was really gung-ho about doing a, a, a magic-based D&D campaign. Like, this is the thing that I... This is the player's handbook, if you will. It really is. That I, I would have needed. It's the foundation. Yeah, of the basis for how to really craft a game around um, characters and who live in the I'm sure the, there are people who read magic this world. who are, like, immediately started trying to come up with a D&D sure. uh, campaign for this kind of thing. Yep. Um you know, there's there's a lot of great information here. Um, <laughs> really do appreciate the they go into a lot of stuff, like how fact that sometimes a player's uh, car- color can change. Um, you know, sort of like the alignment. Yep. Uh, you know, can make someone someone gets you know a terrible loss can make someone red and angry. Um, really cool. It's like they took Green Lantern rules and applied them to the. <laughs> To the worlds of um, magic. Some people don't agree with a lot of this, mm-hmm. um, just because like a lot of these just because are very, naysayers. Not so much naysayers. There's even, always naysayers. Even in, even in magic's own lore, a lot of this doesn't always apply. Of course not. Uh, but they always they say that too. Like these are just general rules. Yeah, man. I mean, take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's uh, um, God. Like people the, get so uppity. Like the fact that the fact that white is lawful any or good any. But you've seen plenty of like really heinous white cards, <laughs> like <laughs> Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite, <laughs> and you're like, mm. um, you know, uh, or or like, uh, well, what was another one? Black. It, you have to be evil to be black, which not as always the case. 
Soren Markov is a good guy. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Uh, he's got some white in him. Well, now. <laughs> well, not at first. Now he's got some wall around him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I 100% recommend taking a look at this, if anything, just for the appendix. But, you know. <laughs> the fire within me. The air above me. <laughs> the earth beneath me. The water around me. And what the hell was the wood guy's thing? The forest before me. The forest before me. That was the one that was always just like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> that was a good show, though. Mystic Knights of Tiernan Oak. That's two 90s references I'm like rolling <laughs> with right now. Or was or was Tiernan Oak early 2000s? No, I think it was 90s. 90s, man. Power, between that and Power Rangers, I'm on a fucking roll, dude. <laughs> well, um, we are kids of the 90s. I know, right? Um, adults of the 90s, really. Yes. So... Yeah, um, I think that was a great... I love how whenever I'm trying to think of the next thing to say, my go-to thing to say is, so yeah. You notice I mean, that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's not... That's it. That's just that's speech pattern right you. there. I know. 1998. 1998, was, Mystic Knights of Tiernan yeah. Oh, Good theme song, too. Mystic Knights Tiernan <laughs> Very simple, very catchy. Mm-hmm. Um, but damn, that wood guy that was supposed to be the Tommy of the Mystic Knights, what a, what a lame-o, but his, his weapons were sick. Double axes, yeah, that was cool. Um, have we ever talked about that together before? Yeah, we have. Nights, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's. I think we actually brought about. it up on a, an episode previously. Yeah, yeah, probably a while ago. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, unearthed arcana, unearthed arcana. The three subclasses. We have a new druid circle, druid of the fungus. Circle you, of spores. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> druid of the fungal, uh, the fungal feet, the athlete's foot druid. And then we have uh, the brutish warrior, the martial archetype brute. And then we have the new arcane tradition, uh, which is the uh, school of invention. Yes. And uh, each of them come with an interesting new sort of series of, of mechanics and rules. Um, are they overly fascinating? No, but you spice up your game. I especially was interested, obviously, in the arcane tradition. Um, of course, of course. Um, well, it's just so interesting. It really is. I really don't know if invention is like the best way to call it. it really, should have been like, like a wild, like I feel like it should have just been like wild tradition or something. School like that. of research is what I would have called yeah. it. The researcher or a school of lore or something only because the idea behind it is you are a wizard similar to my 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 Alderberson in the Solomar Rocco game. Um, you are a wizard who is like sort of obsessed with experimentation. And the idea is that you're just going to do crazy things. You're like you're like a chaos sorcerer almost in that sense where you're just going to keep doing you're going to tap test the boundaries and the limits of magic and then wild wild shit's going to happen to you because of it Mm -hmm. um which is not what you what you think of when you say school of invention when you first read it out and you said school of invention my first thought was this is artificer they made another artificer sort of you know the machinist type class i figured it was going to be i would think of this more like it ultimately became more like mad scientist, really. Yeah. Like, that's really what I would call it. It's the mad scientist of a wizard. School of science? Yeah. Like, what do you call I mean, I, but- I wouldn't even call it that. I mean, like, because, like, the large part of what they do is something called reckless casting. Um, Where re- they take a spell slot and they sacrifice it to cast something. Yeah. Uh, there's a table you roll on. You roll a D10. It's just like chaos magic, yeah. man. Exactly. That's why I said, like, this should really be, like, the school of chaos. Mm. Um 
but that's a sorcerer thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but like you roll a d10 and then depending on what spell slot you use, you get a spell. Sometimes it's not even a wizard spell. And if you roll a 10, you can cast two spells, but if you roll another 10, you don't cast anything. Yeah. Just like Monopoly. Yeah. You just go uh, to jail. Yeah. You go to magic jail. Magic jail. Magic jail is the worst kind of jail. Uh, but then they also get like this, you know, the kind of creatures that are in magic jail, Jengus. What? Uh, 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 there's otherworldly creatures from beyond the plane. I just feel like we're about to do a Rick and Morty skit right now because like I just I I started thinking of random names of creatures. I was like there's flea blorbs in there. <laughs> you know how bad flea blorbs I are? I don't know, David. That's how they do that. <laughs> That's brilliant. Anyway. Um but they also get like a an armor, like they get a a magic armor kind of. But they get an armor that like is spellcasty armor. They can yeah. like do stuff with it. I in my mind, I just see like a mechanical suit, like a steampunk. I think like mechanical. <laughs> yeah, and I just see them like pulling levers and stuff and doing things with it and magic happening. Um, overall, though, uh, between athlete's foot druid and the uh, basic ass fighter, yeah, the <laughs> the, the 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 mommy issues anger management uh, fighter. I don't know what, who would want to play this. What, the brute? Yeah. Because, like, it is so simple. Like, beyond simple. The simple-minded, maybe. Maybe people that don't want complicated I things. Guess. I guess. People this, that are like, this is too many rules. Just give me something down and dirty. Brute. It really is. Um, because, goddamn, it's really just about, I want to do all the damage yep. in one swing. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Every attack is power attack. Um... You regain hit points. Wait, that's at 18th level. Yeah. All in all, eh, eh. One thumb up. Yeah. I, 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 Half a thumb? I wave a hand in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wizards, you know, maybe this needs a couple more run-throughs before you put it in a product. Yeah. <laughs> before you put it in whatever your third book is going to be. Right. So moving on, we have a little talk today about miniatures in D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. um, we've touched upon this before, but miniatures have become obviously optional. I mean, they've always sort of been optional. They have, well, not well, a fourth. I mean, yeah, I guess fourth, they were kind of mandatory. <laughs> um, the, uh, it's, it's a weird place to tackle. Mm -hmm. Do you need minis in D&D &D anymore, honestly? Um, what is their purpose? And I think a lot of that obviously does come down to the preference of the player. You know, that's a question that is, is completely preference based. If you're a Warhammer 40 K type and you, your, your, your bread and butter, so to speak, is miniature tactical combat, then maybe the draw for you to play D and D is the mini combat. But in my mind, I just think to myself, that's not the purpose. Dungeons and Dragons is a role-playing game. If you're if you really just want to play a tactical miniature, you know, there's a lot of board games that offer that exact thing. Yeah, <laughs> in fact, D and D had one at one point. Mm -hmm. If you remember in three five, there was the miniatures handbook, which was uh, a game in and of itself that you could just sacrifice all of what you do in the role-play aspect and just be like, here's how you just play D and D. And then the minis themselves came with their own version of that. They still the, do. They do with the cards and everything. Attack wing and all that jazz. Right. Yeah. So. The the big thing of that is just like, is it is it worth it anymore? 
Um, it's hard to say, um, it, especially because D and D, well, not not a constant as much as like magic is, but mm-hmm. like a lot of the purchases are large and one time. But you know, if you pay a subscription or something like that, things can start adding up. Right. So if you want to add like minis, and if you need to, if you want to have, and God damn it, they still do blind boxes for minis. Like, even though they really shouldn't at this point, mm-hmm. um, like the the fact that you have to invest in a lot of these boxes to get a good collection, you know, I mean, I'm looking at your shelf right now and you've got a hell of a great collection of minis. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but obviously that came at a cost. Some people's jobs even. Um, but- yeah. <laughs> Please refer to episode two. Yeah. <laughs> um. um but, <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, a lot of that is not, that's not really appealing to a lot of people, but then other people are like, they, they love the sculpts because wizards always does a fairly good job with sculpts yeah. on their minis. Like they're not generally too, uh, half-assed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a good amount of detail. Obviously there's some that are better detailed, but the ones that you normally have, especially the creatures, like the iconic creatures, mm-hmm. they put a good amount of detail into that. And sure. some are just nice to have. Um, I, I enjoy looking at them. Um, I still have them, but a lot of, a lot of my minis on that shelf are collecting dust. Uh, and that's because we don't, we, we haven't been using them and you know what? I don't, I don't miss them. I don't miss them either. I think it slows the pace of the game in some ways. You really Um, do. I mean, like, especially in larger groups, Yep. the more people you have, having to move those minis around and everything else. Which is weird because it's sort of like, um, as with a lot of things in life, it was like a, a wave almost or, or a hill or a curve. Um, starting playing D&D as a, as a very young child, um, we never used minis. In fact, you know, when I played D&D in my original games with like, you know, my 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 oldest friends, Rocco and Phil and so forth and so on, we would we would play in the schoolyard. So forth was my friend too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we'd play in the schoolyard and, you know, just hanging out, like walking around, just role playing. There were no minis. Sometimes we didn't even use dice. We just did it. And it was a very free experience. I remember at that point though, Phil was like, he hated that. He, he, he needed the, the grounding of the rules, which is weird because as time has gone on, I feel like he's gotten more like (laughs) the reverse of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I remember then eventually like getting into minis high school is when I really started to get into minis, um, because I obviously had money to buy them and it was neat, like, because we started using maps more. Phil was the one that really started using the map the most. And then it was like, well, we have these maps and we were using like little, little pogs or little, yeah. you know, whatever's beads and, or even yeah something anything to put down and and having a mini was just like i have a physical representation of my thing and seeing the monsters before you that was cool it was like oh yeah dragon there's a dragon um but honestly like it just maps even like visual maps at this point i've i've kind of tossed aside um just theater of the mind is mm-hmm. enough i think it also a lot of it's the kind of role players and just general D and D players that we are, 
you know, we use a lot of our, uh, we both use our imagination a lot. We mm-hmm. can see it, you know, a lot. We can see it. You know, right. when you, when you did, when you describe a room to me, I could see it in my head. Yeah. The situation. I see their players. I see how they would be sitting. Um, uh, I, I, I'm sure that a lot of other people can't. You know, they just they, they need the physical they representation. Need a physical res- representation. Like, yeah. Like, where am I? Where am I in the room? You know, like I don't know, man. I <clears> just feel like minis have have lost. For, uh, for us, for for us, they definitely lost 100%. their luster. They're gone. Uh, you know what I mean? I, think, I still, I still, though, I still like having a mini in front of me. I don't use it. That's the weird thing. I'm not using it for anything, but I'll still put a mini. Like I'm pointing to Jenks right now. You can't see this, but there's literally on on the table that we cast on. It's my gaming table. So a lot of my D&D stuff that I use is on the table and and my little Magus mini from uh, Pathfinder, which is a really cool mini and usually a pretty decent representation of most of my Alibris incarnations. Though now I really should get a custom one. I actually on on my table as well have a custom mini I made for my wife for a character that she plays often and I I really got to get one um customized for for me. But I, I, I do like having the physical representation in front of me, even if I'm not actually using it. I don't mm-hmm. know, something about just kind of like seeing it there. I feel um, like no mini ever, I mean, obviously you can do custom, yeah. but no mini ever really captures the characters I see in my mind mm. uh, from my own characters. I just thought of a really good birthday gift for you. <laughs> oh, but who knows when the next time I'll play Kurt, you know, like he might be gone forever at this point. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like, mind you, your character in Alex's game I mean, is, really, is very different. Yeah, it's extremely different. But outside of that character, I can pretty much you know, make yeah, a generalized. Just, just get Paul Drogo. Yeah. Like. You know what I mean? Like I can pretty much make a generalized. Give a big axe. Yeah. Like. You know what I mean? And that's like the majority of characters. And I can, you can it's a pretty good. Give me Jason Momoa. Just get it. like. You know what I mean? I, I, I can remember that. That's a good gift. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, I look at I watch a lot of D and D streams. I mean, I like to watch the uh, the, Penny, the Penny Arcade Company. They do two streams. Mm-hmm. They do Acquisition Incorporated. Which Not I, that you should. You should just listen to us. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, no, I'm kidding. It's that's, good to that's experience a, a lot yeah, because that, everyone plays different games. Completely a joke. Um, uh, Acquisitions Incorporated, uh, which they do generally every packs, and then they have a recurring. Uh, they call it the C Team. Um, no minis. Period. Right. You know? Uh, maybe some physical representations on the board just to be like, this is your set piece. Mm-hmm. Like, especially for the Paxes, they'll have like, this is your set piece. Like you're in a, there's a, there's a, there's a ruins, you know, or like a, here's a, a, a strange contraption. You mm-hmm. know, I've seen a lot of people on the, the Dungeons and Dragons subreddit, like this is the crazy puzzle room I made for my group. And for some people they get, that's, they that's what they love about D D is making these set pieces right. and then taking those set translating those set pieces into actual physical representations. Mm-hmm. And for them, minis are probably always a thing. Right. Constantly a thing. They have their they have their dry erase map for most games and then their crazy set piece for when they need it, you know? Right. Um and like, you know, uh but like I like we said, that's not us. I think minis will Minis in D and D may not always be synonymous, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like when you mention D and D, minis are something that do come to mind for a lot of people. Yeah, um, 
you know, and I think that will generally as long until D and D changes in a certain way, mm-hmm. I feel like that will always be the case. Yeah. Um. So, I feel like maybe like like you know your mileage may vary, obviously. Sure. But I feel like minis still have a place in the 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 lexicon of you know in the in the current state of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. For me, I I say no. Yeah. And I'm not just saying for me personally. Like I really just think if if they were gone tomorrow, there'd be a couple people that oh oh god. But honestly, like D and D would survive. They would. You know. Mm-hmm. Maybe the profits would go down for wizards because they're not busting out as many I don't minis. Think a lot of people use wizards. But that's minis. that's what I was just thinking. Like I'm like I'm like I'm, that's the real question I have is what are, what are they really making on minis now? Like I don't think the market's Maybe. hot for them. Probably not. I really don't. Probably why they're not focusing on making D and D minis, but making miniature based games. Right. Like Attack Wing and like that. It just happened to be D and D minis. Yeah. yeah. Um, that way they can cater to two different markets at the same time. Yeah, Whiz Smart. Kids. It's it's all like their Whiz Kids division is all like these are the minis. Yep. But this is the game the minis are a part of. It's yep. not D and D, but it's something. Sure. <laughs> um, that rounds out our D and D section. We're gonna move on to board games. The first board game we're we're reviewing for the night is the Dresden Files board game. The Dresden Files cooperative card game. Yes. Uh. Which is obviously based on the world of the Dresden Files. Yes, Jim um, Butcher's Dresden Files. I, uh, I I have the game. If you don't know what it is. Yeah, please <laughs> read it. Great book series. Um, I have the game, and I have all of its, as far as I'm aware, all of its current expansions. Uh, and I, I, I played it with Jengis, and um, how the game works is it's, you know, it's got the fate system uh, to it, which is interesting. <laughs> Uh, which, it, for those of you that haven't played Fate System, long story short, it just means like there's a bunch of dice and they may help you or they may screw you. That's pretty much the Fate System. Um, and there's like Fate points in this whole thing. Anyway, how the game works is uh, there are, there's one, there's a case, one case for just about every book of the Dresden Files. The case is divided up into, it's either 10 or 12 cards um, that you put out on the board in in two separate rows. And those cards have a mixtures of boons for your for the players, um, obstacles for the players, uh, enemies to defeat, and um, mysteries to solve. And the overall goal is that you and however many players are in the game, it, it can be as low as one. You can play it solo, and I have multiple times, and it still holds up the same way it does in multiplayer. But I admit I had more fun with another person, but it's just because of the social aspect of it. Um, you have to the be all end all is by the time the the game ends which there's there's multiple ways to end the game whether it's you run out of cards or um you choose to end it or whatever else the goal is you should have solved more mysteries than there are enemies left on the board and usually the skew is pretty large there might you might start with like five or six enemies and only like three mysteries to solve Mm -hmm. so it it seems pretty simple, but it's deceivingly difficult. Even on its easiest setting, it's extremely difficult. <laughs> yeah, even on its easiest setting, like we had, we had a tough time. I constantly do. Now, the more, the more of a hang of it you get, the easier it is to play. But I told Jengis before he had played it, going into it, I was like, this game is deceivingly hard. Like, just so you know, we're probably going to lose our first game, and we did. We did, hundred um, percent. And that was on the easiest selling, setting of the game. There, there, there are scaling difficulties that you can do. I've never done past the, the initial because I think it's more than enough of a challenge. 
Um, and part of that is because it's the random, na- uh, the random nature of card draw and deck shuffle and this and that. But you have characters. The characters have a certain decks that are based around their sort of thematic way of doing things. And the cards you do, um, you use, have different effects. And each one will either help solve a mystery by putting clues on it. It'll help kill an enemy by putting damage on it. It'll remove an obstacle that's impeding everybody. Or it will grab a boon that will help you and your partner uh, or partners out. Um, and then the characters themselves have like either one-time use effects that you can use um, usually once per game. But that... that varies depending on the character and then as a kind of a secondary effect that's used whenever you discard cards for fate points fate points being the main currency of the yes. game that you um use you have to spend fate points to use the cards in your hand um and it's a communal pool of fate points and it's a very small pool of fate points so part of the strategy is knowing when to discard to get fate points back and how to use those secondary abilities to uh, be most advantageous in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a long-winded explanation. Uh, it's it is easy to play. It's one of those games that once you kind of get it, you get yeah. it. I mean, the cards say what you do, and the, every all the information. There's not a lot of iconography, right? Um, everything's pretty clear cut. You know, whether um, it's an attack, it's a clue. How much range it is, how much it costs, and what it does. And it's great flavor. Mm-hmm. It's really nice to see the the sort of um, illustrative physical representations of the the Dresden oh, files. A lot of the a lot of the art is drawn from the comic book series. If mm-hmm. you have, well, if you are, the, there's also a comic book series. Yep. Um. So you know the art's really great. Um. All the characters are depicted how I generally thought they would be, but some are different. Um. Jenkins had a beef with Michael's depiction. I just didn't picture him like that. I don't know. I picture him just more like, I don't know. Longer hair, like something like that. I don't know. It's a Highlander? It kind of. Like, <laughs> it was weird. I don't know. Just like my, my mental depiction yeah. was just always like more, just closer like Jesus. Like looking like Jesus. Yeah. But like he instead is like, he instead is more like just like a. Like they describe him. Yeah. Old farmhand. Yeah. Sort farmhand. of. You know what I mean? Like yeah, an old yeah, like lumberjack. I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I like my version better, but like that's, well, that's the canon depiction of. Most people do. You know, fun kind of side note. I always find it interesting when I first see physical depictions of characters that I read about because it's it's never like sometimes it's close. Other times it's completely different. Like I, and sometimes it changes forever, which is a shame because it's hard to sometimes get a mental image out of your head. Like, Harry Potter, mm-hmm. I reread that series, and usually I think Harry and Ron still kind of go in between my mental image and maybe a good like and- mixture of of Harry and and Daniel Radcliffe, like mm-hmm. my Harry and Daniel Radcliffe and my Ron and and, and um Rupert Grint. Uh but I almost exclusively only see Emma Watson in my brain now <laughs> as Hermione. And I think part of that is is that my physical imaginative representation of her was so close to the movie's representation that the movie just overtook that. Uh Um, Same thing with Dumbledore. I almost exclusively see Michael Gambon's Dumbledore when I read it. Um, Snape. Snape. I don't really. That's the weird thing. And because here's the thing I don't get me wrong. God bless Alan Rickman. um, May rest in peace. Brilliant actor. I loved his Snape depictions, but my Snape in my head is still sort of different. Or maybe it's I, I, I sort of it's a mixture. The visual representation is a is a mixture of um Alan Rickman and the illustrative snape that they have with the goatee and the uh, scraggly hair. It's mm-hmm. a mixture of that. But what's what's 
especially different is the vocal cadence. My Snape does not have the long, drawn-out Alan Rickman, like, you know, welcome to potions. <laughs> it's not that. He is a smoother, more stern talker, and he also yells a lot more. Because in the book, he yells, and I just, just, I don't know, it's just different. McGonagall, though, is 100% Maggie Smith, <laughs> like, all the time. Um, so we're getting kind of off the off the beaten path here, yeah. but I just thought it was an interesting topic to talk about. I mean, what about you when it comes to, we'll get, let's, I don't know. I'm, I'm so confused. Do we finish our review or do we talk about this? I want to do both. Let's do, I'll just add my quick comment. Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, very few things that I've read have become adaptations, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely think that the King Killer Chronicles, when that actually comes out, my version is not going to be the version they go with. Mm-hmm. But I know I have a very clear, distinct image in my head of what all the characters look like. Do you find, though, when this when it does happen, does, your, does, it, does it, it skew or yeah, usurp it in any way? Uh, Some, I mean, it's it did for Harry Potter. I don't know if Michael Carpenter is going to be different when I read it next. You know, like, yeah. I mean, you also only saw it that like one time. Yeah. It's sort of only I mean, in the back other places too. I guess yeah, he's on the cover of some of the books too. Weird thing uh, is, my version of Dresden has not changed from uh, never. My my, my, my Dresden, Dresden is, is so clear, a hundred percent clear. Yeah, um, Butters is always going to be my version of Butters. I mean, though it's very close, you know. It's, yeah, my um, Butters is also very close to that Butters. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, not always. Um, but like I said, a lot of things I read don't really actually become mm-hmm. adaptations. Like Dune was weird. Their uh, Thomas is really close to my Thomas in my brain. Yeah, the Dresden Files board game. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Very not like, the book. The book cover version of Thomas, not really, but the comic version of Thomas, yep. yes. Oh yeah. Um, Dune was weird a lot uh, because just Dune is so like I, so many different ways I think of these characters, but like that's not what the character looked like in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, all in all, uh, I like my. Uh, maybe I'm just stubborn. I just like my versions better. <laughs> I, it's not even like better. It's just interesting to see. Like I, I don't know. It's weird. It's also weird when I I've. And I think this is this is one of the reasons I've started doing this. So when it comes to an adaptation, sometimes, or for the most part now, I will purposefully not read the material beforehand if I, if I haven't already. Um, because I want to go for two reasons. First off, because I end up always hating the movie um, in some way. Maybe not hating, but I end up disliking something that they left out or I'm like, oh, they, they changed this. Why did they do that? So now it's much, I, I, I tend to be more pleased going in, watching the thing first or reading the comic book first or whatever the adaptation is, the visual stimuli first, seeing that, then going back and reading the book. But because of that, now I'm already sort of skewed to this is the way the character looks. So it's like, and like a perfect example of that is The Magician's. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the first season when it first came out, which by the way, that show got so much better in the second season and third season. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and it like, and it sort of weaves its way in and out of what the books did, which is very fascinating. The book series is great. Three books, not too long, but because I watched the magicians first, there's one character who's drastically visually different in the books. And that's the character of Penny. Um, uh, in the in the TV series, if you've never seen it, Penny is is an, uh, a young Indian gentleman 
Um, and he's got like, you know, short, dark hair. Um, he's kind of tall, very handsome, um, sarcastic. Penny in the book series. Fat white dude. Yeah, from really? the fat white dude. <laughs> I, was, goth, I was joking. No, like ugly, fat, goth, white dude. Um, I think he's bald or like has like crazy color hair. Like, yeah, man. It's like drastically different. Um, so every time they would describe Penny, my brain would just override it with the image that I, I wanted to see, which was the Penny that I knew because I liked that image better. I really did. That's so interesting. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, so I, I can't imagine what I would have felt the other way around if uh-huh. I had read the books first oh my God. and then seen new Penny. It's but like, I'm like, what? Penny? This is Penny? Um, so yeah, very interesting. But back to <laughs> rounding all the way back to the Dresden Files board game where this all skewed from. Uh, I really enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy to play, but I, I the difficulty, while while it can be stupidly annoying, is also part of the fun of it. I feel challenged when I play it, and I kind of like that. Um, I had uh, the fact that you're not always guaranteed a draw. Very frustrating to me, almost to the point where I'm like, I don't like that. Like, mm. this is not fun. Yeah, to, to describe um, that, you have a deck of cards. But unless you have a card that's going to allow you to draw for them or an ability, your your hand is essentially your hand. It's very like you're like, oh, man, my options are lowering. I haven't drawn my draw card if it does exist even. But that's also because you're in the could that be because you're in the mindset of like every card based game you've played ever with a with a side with a deck of cards next to you has a draw. It's possible. But it's also just like... Because to me, if you reset your mind to the fact of like, this game is not... Think of it as like, the cards in your hand is the game, and that's like, treasure. I guess. Um, it's hard for me to really disassociate that. You really hate that. that draw. That not draw, I can see it, it in your it, eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's there. Like I said, it was very <laughs> frustrating, because I'm like, I really... Because there are a lot of times where I wanted to contribute, or I wanted to help, but no cards in my hand were good, and there's no way for me to reliably draw another card. That's where you, I, you're the fate, then you generate fate. That's I, it. Man. I understand, and that does help, but that does contribute it to does. the cause. But like... I like having a bit more agency in the things I do. Otherwise, I'm just like, I'm just generating stuff so you can do stuff. And I was like, meh. Um, you know, but still, uh, thematically, it's a very interesting game. Um, it, it, it's pretty, it, I like the the investigation, the fact that there are, there are mysteries and also enemies. Because it's very that's very Dresden Files. Yeah. Despite the and fact that. And it follows the plot the, pretty well, too. Yeah. There's enemies everywhere, but. There's also a mystery to solve, you know, and mm-hmm. I like that. Um, and obviously in the books, the, the, you know, one mystery leads to another mystery, which leads to another, which is, you know, and that's, I feel like that's faithfully recreated in the board game. Yeah. Um, the character, like you said, the art's all great. Um, the fate mechanic is pretty interesting. I like the things because that's, that's Dresden too. Yeah. Because things don't always work out the way he thinks it will. No. And he tries. <laughs> yeah. He He's school of invention, man. <laughs> he all the time is just like, you know what? I'm going to try these random ass things and see what happens. You know, and that's, and sometimes they do. And sometimes they work out even better in his favor. And that's, that's very much also faithfully depicted in the, the fate dice system. Sure. Um, you know, uh, but like I said, just minor things. It's not some. It's not honestly. It's not something I would pick up. Right. But um, you'd play it again. I would play it again. A hundred percent. Word. Um, I give it two thumbs up. 
I'd give it even more, but that's also partly because I love the series. Um, but even the game itself, I really do enjoy it. I've also had more time with it than you have. You have. Um, and I've played it solo, which is also like, I think that's another real The solo game is really fun. I enjoy, like I said, I might have enjoyed it more because of the social aspect, but the solo game is fun because, because of the challenge. I think that's the best way to put it. Solo games, you can kind of sometimes feel overpowered because either it's they scale it in a way that just like since you're controlling everything you don't have to worry about co-op you don't have to worry about mysteries like like not to like i i enjoyed the experience we played together yeah i do um however um this game is extremely susceptible to quarterbacking um they don't allow that though they don't allow it i know you're not supposed to mention numbers don't mention numbers but you know there's like you know, <laughs> um, that, that, but that's also due to the part that like, like I said, I feel like having more agency on your own part would help to deter that. Sure. Um, anyways. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I say two I, thumbs up. I give one thumb up. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. Know, like I said, I'd play it again, but it wouldn't be something I don't. Sure. Um, our second board game we're going to review is what do you meme? Yes, Guess, I God, just said those words God out loud. Um, I, honestly, I was actually surprised. I was also surprised. Listen, I say that... Then again, that might also do, be due to the fact of the quality of company we keep. That's true. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? I My wife bought the game, um, and I, I'll be honest, I, I I didn't expect much from it. I actually expected it to be like, you're pretty run-of-the-mill, like, we're going to pander to the world audience right now. And here's a thing that's like a hot button thing that everybody loves. Like everybody loves memes. So let's make a game about memes. And yeah, I was like, you they know, did that. and they did. And it's, they didn't even read, they didn't reinvent the wheel because it is, no, it, it is, pulls. it is cards against humanity, <laughs> apples to apples. It is, it is one of those games, except the difference here is, um, the, the communal the, card, the card that everybody's trying to put in answers for, so to speak. You're, you're giving a caption to a meme. Yes, is that, yes, picture, exactly. Much you, like uh, a like, meme creator. A picture's put out on the, on the table, um, and the person that's going to judge everything puts that picture out. It's a blank picture, usually of a well-known meme or meme picture, but it's captionless. And then everybody has a hand of cards. Those cards are the potential captions. And you are captioning the memes Mm -hmm. and otherwise the rules are the exact same as any of those other games everybody throws in a card the judge of that round picks up all the cards after shuffling them reads them out loud everybody gets a good chuckle and then you whether it's due to humor or relevancy or whatever it may be whatever random whimsy you have there's a vote given to this is the card that I choose and the person gets a point and you just play until you get to a certain amount of play points. Until you feel like you don't want to play anymore. Yeah, we played through <laughs> not all of the all of the pictures, which is actually, that's my one big complaint about the game. We played through, we also had a lot of people, mind you, so that might be just because of the amount of people we had, mm-hmm. but we played, we played through all of the captions, every single caption in that set and still had a whole bunch of pictures left that we never got to. Um, now as Jengis said, it might be because of the quality of the company, but I ended up having a fantastic time playing that game. I laughed. I was enjoying it, um, much more than I expected to going in. Um, so much so that I probably would play it again. Um, sort of similar to cards against humanity where it's just like, it's gotta be one of those times where you have an, uh, 
a stupid amount of people and you're looking for a simple, fun game to play to laugh. And maybe Cards Against Humanity is a little stale, so you're like, let's play What Do You Mean? Just because it's slightly fresher, just in terms of that small difference. Yeah. I uh, loathe these kinds of games. <laughs> Why? Um, I've said it before when we talked about Cards Against Humanity. Because you always these feel are, like your humor is not quite no, what... No. Since these games are very subjective. Um, they are. And I feel like they're very much like low effort. Um, and not to be a snob, because it does sound snobbish. It does. And I, I don't know if I agree with low effort. Mm-hmm. I put a lot of effort in my memes. Uh, no, not not the player low effort. Oh, from the board from the developer. Yes, of course it is low effort. And I feel like there's like shitting gold for them. A hundred percent. And I feel like there are far more quality games. That's why I try my best. I do my best to find games that accommodate large groups that I still feel like are fun um, and engaging uh, in a way. This was engaging. It was. But like I said. That might be the quality of the company. I think it's because of the quality of the company we keep. But at the same time... We're all friends. Uh, we're all making each other laugh. But apply we're that, trying our hardest to make each other laugh. But apply that to everybody that's buying this game. Yeah. You're not playing what do you mean with a group of... Like, I feel like some people buy this game because like, oh, I love memes. Well, I, I mean, yes, of course. <laughs> you know, like... But like, what I'm saying is... is the still the meme? That's my favorite <laughs> meme. But they're probably still playing it with friends. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Making yeah. each other laugh. Like, I... I appreciate that it's not as... Uh, uh, it's not as offensive uh, well, as Cards Against Humanity is. Yeah, Certain cards. There, it's not as many. Yeah. Um, there's still some, but it's not as It's many. a halfway between apples yeah. to apples and cards. Um, I appreciate that. I would probably play this over cards. Um, you know, uh, so that's, that's praise in its own right. Yeah. Um, but like I said, ultimately... Um, you loathe. I loathe these games. Oh, listen, I I accept them for what they are, and also, like you know, I know, I agree that there are tons of better games to play, but sometimes you just Some, have so many people. It's almost midnight on New Year's Eve, and you and just you're have just to play. So tired, but also and you need something that's very low effort in your head. So you just be like, I pick a card, and it makes me laugh. <laughs> But also, it's the number of players, man. Like, 100%. We play the, with large group of people. Like, on our, Sushi Go? Yep. Great large person party game. That's about it. I, to I, accommodate like I said, our numbers. I'm trying to find more. Moniker is one. It. There it is, Jengus. Yeah, make There's it. There's your Kickstarter. Oh, jeez. There it is. <laughs> make it a super complicated game that incorporates oh. 50 people. No, when it comes to large amounts of people, you don't want to be super complicated. Exactly. What do you mean? <laughs> you just... You just said it, man. That's it. It's just... But you can do that without, like, that, you know? I know, but it's a thing. It's a it's a genre of of, of, of party game. It is. Card selection game. That's a genre. Um, Card interpretation I'll games. give it... I'll give it... Hmm. <laughs> I'll give it one thumb up. I'm on the border. I was going to give it two, but honestly, I do agree that a part of it is definitely the company you keep. And... I know that I'll, outside of our friend group, that game will never go anywhere. Like, I'll never take that to... Like, if I was going to a party night of board games with maybe, like, 
at a friend's house, but there were going to be strangers and people I didn't know. It's, I, I would not take what do you mean? I just wouldn't. I know, I know someone would bring cards against humanity probably, but uh-huh. I just, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't. Um, what do you mean would stay here? It would just sit. I would take something else. Um, but when I play it again in our friend group, with those numbers of people, yeah. yeah. Would I play it with like a four-player game? No. No. There, there are other games I'd rather play. My God, there are. Yeah. Um, but with a large group of like 10 plus. 10 plus, 8 plus, I would even say. Yeah. What do you mean is totally uh, an option mm-hmm. in the friends? Yeah, I'm going to give that uh, I'm gonna give that game one thumb down. <laughs> <laughs> is that the same as one thumb up? No. That's <laughs> Isn't like, that what we imply when we say one thumb up? Doesn't that... In I would turn, say if we were to, one if, thumb down. If we were changing our voting rules here, if we, to give, if we were to give it a star rating, uh, I would say one thumb up is three, uh, and a thumb down is like a two. One thumb down is like a one. Okay, because zero stars exists, but the fact that I acknowledge it, I give it one star. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Otherwise, it's a dud. It's that's, a bomb. That's if a, you, that's a if we're going, if we're going, Leonard Malton. The, the movie reviewer, his rating system. He does have, you know, one to five, mm-hmm. but there are occasionally bombs. And bombs just don't, no rating because they're trash. Yeah. I did not consider this trash. I had fun, like I said. <laughs> I acknowledge it and I would play this over cards. I give it one thumb down, which is one star. <laughs> oh, oh, brutal. <laughs> brutal. Um, all right. So. It's our two-year anniversary. It is our two-year anniversary. Happy anniversary, David. Happy anniversary, Jenkins. <laughs> um, if you've been What's listening, the two-year anniversary? I don't know. The awards anniversary, no. Jenkins. Oh, of course. That's what it is. <laughs> See, I knew what you meant, but I turned that. Um, yeah. Oh, thank you. Our faithful listeners, those that have been with us since episode one doing business with a board game, thank you for listening for the past two years. If you're new to You Shall Not Pass Go, or if this is even the first episode that you've been listening to, um, we hope you'll continue to join us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, we're hopefully easy to listen to, and we appreciate you. That we, do. we don't We don't do this just for us. We do this because we acknowledge the fact that people listen, and... Um, it, it is fun for us, but if nobody was listening, we probably would have stopped this after a year. Uh, so this has been a fantastic journey. So thank you, our audience. Thank you. Um, we are doing awards. That's our, our, so, our thing for this special. Yeah, last year we did a like a special game. We took Evan on a journey of yeah. magic and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Which was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. We'd probably do that again. Maybe we anniversary would. three, bring maybe. it back. Uh, or maybe even a special. But, um, you know, uh, people are busy. You know, so we tried to come up with something we could do with just us. Yeah, and um, in a feasible time span. Exactly. So we thought, it's it's Oscar season, you know? It's everything season. Yeah. Game of the war, game of the Year awards yeah. and Oscar season. And- well, Game of the Year is kind of like December. But, like, this is specifically movie awards season. It's true. And Grammys. A lot of awards this it's season. It's every, like I said, it's everything. Every award. it's the end of it's the... It's the non-game awards. Every other awards... No, but I mean, even you just count... The season is... Award season is December to That's February. True. Um, So we we decided, and it's probably 
probably tradition will probably keep going for this way forward. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do kind of like a 2017 uh, Best of You Shall Not Pass Go Awards. We'll yeah. come up with a better name for it. The Yispeninjis. <laughs> Yispeninjis. <laughs> but we'll come up with oh, a better man. name for it. All right, hold on. Let's think about this logically. If we had a trophy to give, right, what would it be? It'd be a, would it be our little D20? It'd be our D20. Like, probably like... Is that our, is that like, our thing? Probably like a D20. A D20. With like a circle, like a ring around it that was the magic pie, color pie, um, all kinds of copyright claims. <laughs> And then, like, I think that pretty much sums it up. You really can't put, like, board games. Board games use dice. So we have like, to go. Yeah. Uh, we, oh, yeah, we do have go. Yeah, that would be on the center. That'd be on the center, center. of the, uh, the D20. So what, do we call these the goes? No. No? That's bad. Do we call these the the the, the 20 awards or the D20s? No, but that's specifically D&D. Like I said, well, well, it's a work in progress. I really want to get a name for this, man. <laughs> <laughs> the Yispinagis. <laughs> oh, no, that's horrible. It is really bad. Uh, I mean, Oscar hits after a guy, but the, you know. <laughs> the not passies. Um, <laughs> uh, the, those are technically the Academy Awards. And then you yeah. have the, the SAG AFTRA and the Grammys and mm-hmm. the Tonys. Mm-hmm. A lot of names. Yeah. A lot of E's. <laughs> um, what do we call it? The uh, the dengues, <laughs> dengue awards, <laughs> the golden dengue. <laughs> That's uh, actually really funny. It's, it's not good. Uh, oh, but it's so funny. <laughs> the dengues. <laughs> Congratulations! Here's your golden dengue. <laughs> It's just both of us giving a thumbs up. Like two thumbs up. Thumbs, thumbs up, up awards. <laughs> the thumbs up awards. Yeah. Damn. There it is. There it is. Why don't we think of that first? I, I still know. like Dengies though. Maybe it has two names, like the Academy Awards or also the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. I think the Thumb Up Awards are also the Dengies. <laughs> I think we figured out the name of this episode too. The Dengies? <laughs> oh Jesus. Dengies Thumb Up Awards. Alright, so Magic the Gathering. Yes. Look at that. We're going Back again. It's like I'm saying the same thing over again. Our Magic the Gathering Awards. We're going to start off with Magic the Gathering Set of the Year. Set of the Year. Now, um, we're each going to give... Uh, how how our awards work is... Uh, I guess it's like... With our powers combined. Like, yeah. I give a thumb up. A golden thumb up. And Jengis gives a golden thumb up and they both win a dangy that way. Yeah, why not? Um, so my golden thumb up for set of the year to recap. And the nominees are Aether Revolt, Alon Ket, Hour of Devastation, Arch Enemy Nickel Bolas, Commander 2017, Iconic Masters, Ixalan, Unstable, Dual Decks Merfolk vs. Goblins, and From the Vault Transform. You did it. I did it. Um... You're not going to know this because I will have edited it by this point, but that that was hard. It was a hard <laughs> thing for me. Uh, uh, you go first. And okay. the golden dengies go to... So my dengue, uh, my thumb up, goes to... I would have to say I really liked uh, Amon Ket. Mm. I know uh, it didn't have the... After... After... Uh, Kaladesh and uh, Aether Revolt. 
it was kind of like wizards taking a step back, mm-hmm. not because they made a couple mistakes. Um, they're kind of trying to, they stumbled and they're trying to, you know, get their word back. I like Dama Cat, ton of flavor. So when the music starts playing. <laughs> ton of flavor, interesting cards, interesting story. Uh, for me, my dengue goes to From the Vault Transform. I've been waiting for a quality From the Vault for a while. There hasn't been one in a while, I feel. There's just been kind of okay or subpar. This From the Vault Transform featured not only the Origins Planeswalkers, but a lot of value cards. It was just a great, great... like for Zelda. Yeah, it was a great set mm-hmm. full of cards that I wanted that I didn't have and premium versions of them at that. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was overly pleasantly surprised and therefore it got my vote. Cool. So there's the Golden Dangy. Um, breakout Commander of the Year. Um, and the nominees are a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> there are uh, a lot of commanders. A lot uh, of commanders. And the Dangies go to. <laughs> Uh, you go first. Uh, yeah, time. I'll start. I think my breakout commander of the year, and it's only just recently that I, I feel this, is actually um, in long form, it's the gods of Hour of Devastation, specifically the multicolored gods. Um, in short form, if I had to pick a singular one, it's the Scarab God. I could see that. Um, I've been waiting for a really good mill-colored god uh, uh, commander. I've wanted to build a mill deck in, in EDH for a while, but I hadn't found a commander that I really wanted. There's a couple out there that it's like, yeah, sure, this is mill, this is fine. You know, they got Slotek and a couple others. Long story short, the Scarab God is just a solid commander and a great mill commander. There's so many things you can do with it. Um, obviously, you could also go the zombie route with it and, and try and just mm-hmm. get things in the graveyard. But just in terms of mill... And as sort of like a side effect of that, being able to pull people's creatures out and make them zombies under your uh, control and having milk colors, it's just a great commander. It's not something you nef- uh, that I need on the battlefield, but it's something that like is a great utility if and when I want to use it. So for me, the Scarab God is my breakout commander of this year. For me, um, it was hard to say because among the, like I said, I didn't play a lot of different commanders this year. Um, but as far as commanders that really affected me that came out this year, as far as like played against, I would say the most interesting one that I could think of, uh, which was inter- introduced in Commander 2017. Um, yeah, was Commander 2017? That was the four colors. Mm-hmm. Um, was uh, no, 2016 was the four colors. 2016? Yeah, oh, yeah, past that, man. Yeah, you're right. And that, that can't be in this awards. Yeah, you're right. Um, but I can still choose one from those um i would say uh the most interesting one i could say would be big daddy markov mm-hmm. it was a you know of the i i had originally thought that dragons was going to be you know the the commander that i was going to like really like the ur dragon yeah the ur dragon i was going yeah. to latch on to but as far as like good commanders for the deck that they want to be part of i feel like edgar markov really accomplishes that mm-hmm. he's a good tribal commander he is not super expensive to play. Right. He play and he when he hits the field, he does a lot. <laughs> he does a lot more. <laughs> That's fun. It is fun. That's a lot of fun. I'm sure it Love is. the dangies. <laughs> Best award show. Uh card of the year. Um Who oh boy. 
my card of the year is actually the same as my combo of the year, which is the next, um, the next, actually, you know what? No, I'll separate it. I will separate those two card of the year. I'm going to say metallurgic summonings. Wow. Metallurgic summonings from Aether Revolt. That card is so good. Um, I am shocked that it doesn't have more traction. Um, and in fact, I would say it's a tie for me, a tie for my golden dangy. It's between that and Mana Drain, the revamp of Mana Drain. Mm-hmm. But that's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna you know what? I'll just put Mana Drain aside. I, maybe I just have a love of that because of my pull. But before the music plays me off, I'm <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm waiting for it. You. No, you should have. You <laughs> no, should. I was waiting no, for um, it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'd say my card of the year is definitely um, I'll say Metallurgic Summonings. That card is just too good. Um, you play spells for every. Uh, instant or sorcery that you play you get an artifact creature of the uh power and toughness equal to the mana cost and then when you have enough you can tap mana sacrifice or not sacrifice if you have enough creatures on the field that are artifacts or enough artifacts i should say wow um you tap five mana and get to get all of your instants and sorceries back from your uh graveyard which is just amazing in any control deck mm-hmm. um so for me metallurgic summonings for me, I'll be honest, um, I couldn't pick one. I think that's probably like a uh, a fault of just not experiencing enough of the product this year. I'm going to try to do better for 2018 to really like get my hands and like really not so much just hands, but like play mm-hmm. a lot of the product just so I can have a bit more of like a broader depth of like what is out there as far as the magic scene goes. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll defer to yours. So look at that. Maybe Monodrain does get the extra dangy. There it is. By default. Yes. There it is. I'll give my dengue to Monodrain. Hey, Monodrain. Hey, welcome back. There it is. <laughs> Playing back. La La Land. What's going on here? Uh, combo of the year. Combo of the year. You want to go first? So yes. So And the golden dengue goes the to. The golden dengue goes to uh, the combo which uh, caused the most stir uh, in, uh, <laughs> in 20, uh, 2017. Uh, which rocked the standard scene, I would say would be um, Copycat, mm-hmm. uh, which is Felidar Guardian and Sahili Rai. Mm. Uh, an infinite in standard that was relatively easy to get Yep, uh, and really, really caused a lot of problems for standard, uh, especially the the Aether Revolt standard season. Yep. Um, so much so that Wizards had to issue, was it three? Or f- like how many standard bands they have to issue in like, like one th- three or four three or four yeah. which was unprecedented yeah it was crazy um, and I think like of all the combos of this year I think that combo would probably be my combo of the year just because of like the implications of what happened yeah nice my golden dengue goes to paradox engine Ooh. and it's not necessarily that I'm pairing it with any type of card it's the card in of itself. Is just it's so versatile. There's so many combos you can do with it. That is my combo: paradox engine plus things that are not land that provide mana. Mm. Because the idea is that once that paradox engine is out, you're just playing spells, untapping other things to tap things, and it just it gets crazy. That card became so quickly became a staple in so many decks of mine and of all of our friends. How many Paradox Engines do you see? There's a lot. There are. Because that card is is value. It if is. you're playing Mana Rocks at all or any type of like mana that's not, you know, just land or even things that can 
do things when you tap them. Like Paradox Engine is just a that's a stupidly good card. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that really actually lo- still it lets a lot of other combos. It makes a lot of other combos possible just yeah. because of how crazy it is. Yeah, and honestly, I, I'm I'm surprised that card is still at the value it's at. I should really pick up more because I I, I guarantee you eventually that will rise. Um, going on to our D and D category, presenting this. Willem Dafoe. Willem? <laughs> oh, is he not here? No. Oh, that's a shame. We, I, I thought to get him on the phone. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, right. I talked to his agent. He, he was busy. All right. <laughs> well, that's all right, because we have our backup presenter, Jack Black. Where's Jack Black? Well, I mean, he's on a press <laughs> tour for Jumanji. How many, still? Times can, how, how many times can we do this bit before it gets old? <laughs> uh, sure, people have already tuned out. Yeah, right? Uh... Unearthed Arcana of the Year. And the nominees are a bunch of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Unearthed Arcana was very interesting this year. Where does the Golden Dengue go to? <laughs> the Golden Dengue goes to? I would say the Golden Dengue, which is also part... Um, it's hard to say because it's like you want to also... Because the thing that I really liked a lot also kind of made it into a into uh was it xanathar's yeah uh um, that's fine it's just if it was uh, as long as it was an art arcana of this year it's still fine it it's it's nominationable <laughs> uh let me just make sure that i'm right so just bear with me for a second <laughs> i am bearing with you the audience is waiting <laughs> jake is just sweating up on the stage the microphone is shot he's looking around he doesn't know what he's going to say he can't open the envelope this is this is terrible oh god are we still live oh jesus somebody cut to a different feed quick go to a dog looking with sad eyes adoption amazing grace play that Anything but this this horrible weight. Oh, the audience is churning. They're all giving him the scary eyes. And he's still just <laughs> waiting there. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Just it say was, it. What was it? I'm pretty sure it was an honor to Arcana. I'll obviously double check this. If it wasn't, I'll put it in the show notes that I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, but minor magical items. Um, I was a really big fan of minor magical items. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the fact that they made like a, a, the, obviously they, I believe they expanded on it more than what the Unearthed Arcana had, but, um, the, it, I really appreciated them doing that because it adds more, it might adds more depth to the, uh, to the D and D to your session, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and adds more, adds more like utility items that, you know, make the world either more, ma- more magical if you want it to be that way. Sure. And I, I really appreciate that. My golden dengue goes to arcane tradition theurgy and from the wizard revisited. Of course it is because I've used that so much. <laughs> um, that is the, that is the basis of my wizard um, in the YSNPG, uh, in the YSNPG extra Planet of the Ick solo mod, uh, he is an his arcane tradition is theurgy. He's tapping into the divine, um, and that's just been a blast. So uh, how could I not give the golden dangy to that? Mm-hmm. Uh, character of the year of the D and D games we've played this year, been a part of. Who do you give the golden dangy for? Or two, I should mm. say. How about you go first? 
Okay. Give me, give me a second to think. Should I be self-serving and give it to Alibris? <laughs> you can. Just be like the golden dengue goes to <laughs> Alibris Archimedes. The one and only true love of my... No. Um, I don't know. This is interesting. I feel like there have been a lot of great characters this year. I'm stalling. <laughs> <laughs> and my golden dengue goes to... Electus. A character played by our friend Andy, who is a paladin of Asmodeus, um, who has deluded himself to thinking that he needs to go find all the evil. He's evil himself and (laughs) believes he needs to track down all the evil in the world and kill that evil as a way to send those souls to Asmodeus to make Asmodeus stronger. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. what a great concept, and I have a fun time playing with that character. Mm-hmm. Alibris is not cool with it, but it has to kind of be, and it's just always fun to like bicker with him because he's got like that snide, you know, character concept going. But I definitely think that's that's a fun character that he has to play. Let's see, my golden dengue would go to uh, Phil's character, uh, Kendall, I believe, uh, from our recorded game set. Well, Candle, Candle, yes, and flame. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that, that his ca- name. I really like that character in that setting. Um, we made a lot of mistakes, I would say, but like he really kept true to like his moral compass, uh, but not being too overbearing on the party. Yeah, um, I really appreciated that and like what he brought to the role playing. The lost uh, episodes of yes. YSMPG. <laughs> um, so hopefully you'll be able to hear those one day. But but yeah. I would say that that would be it. And the play of the year. Play of the year. Oh, man. I mean, I want to be self-serving. Do it. Because I'm like, man. Give yourself the golden dangy, Janus. <laughs> Do it. Because like, I remember like one of my favorite parts of uh, also of the recorded game. Sure. Was uh, when I was fighting. Um, I was fighting an. I believe it was an ogre or something like that mm-hmm. on a bridge. Mm-hmm. And just like it tried to kill me. It really did. But I would not go down and I did not fall off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and we eventually killed it. And it was like the most satisfying thing. Yeah. Um, so I would say <laughs> once again, I hope one day you guys will hear this, but I hear it. But like that play was my favorite and i know it's self-serving i apologize don't but. don't apologize <laughs> here you know what i'm gonna do a self-serving one too so i give you the golden dengue oh, well, thank you for the, your play and uh, you can give me the golden yes dengue. for your uh... uh recently in the ysnpg extra in the first episode planet of the ick my favorite i think my play of the year was my battle with a troll i was so low level and not prepared to fight a troll and I ended up playing this crazy game of cat and mouse and I ended up shooting it right in the eye with a eyes I should say with a well timed fireball blinded it and then slowly but surely like pinged that sucker to death I remember that that was that is my play well well done sir here's your golden golden (laughs) dengue we're holding each other's dengues Jesus Uh, moving on to the supplemental rule of the year. This is an award given to something that came out 
in Xanathar's Guide um, as an official rule that we said, yay, we're so glad you made this. And I already gave Yours mine. Yours is yeah. still minor magical a second items. dengue to That's minor right. magical items. Minor magical is sweeping the dengues this year. Um, mine is also magical item related. It's the creation rules. Magical item creation and a finite rule system to go with it. Thank you, Xanathar's Guide. There's the golden dengues. And our last uh, award of the year. Can we get a drum roll, please? How about how about you, Dave Grohl? Where's Dave Grohl? Uh, you know. <sighs> uh, well, Dave Grohl dropped the ball on this one. But board game of the year for me. So this I, is this is of the board games I would say we've played or reviewed on the show, right? Or um, or have or played even off the show. Mm-hmm. I would say throughout the year, for me, I a hundred percent give my golden dengue to Time Stories and all of its I think, expansions. I think that's what is is it right? My envelope as well. Time Stories. Oh my god, it's Time <laughs> Stories by <a> landslide. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Time Holy stories. shit, man! We've we've seen some stuff. Yeah, to, to revisit our review, we reviewed the base game um, long time ago, but we've been we haven't stopped playing. And Jenks and I are now both caught up to the same expansion. And without giving any spoilers away, I will tell you the game still holds up. Like that game is just great. Um, yeah, if you're curious about when we review it, it's episode thirteen: Dungeons of the Past, Stories of the Future. Was that uh, the first episode of our... That was the first episode yep. of our new... Yes, it was. Damn, man. <laughs> yeah, there it, it is. It's, you know, we've played a lot of great games this year. I, I mean, I could say, like, you know, if there's runner-ups, I'm sure there would be. Oh, yeah. Um, But by and far, every time a new Time Stories expansion comes out, I am chomping at the bit to play it. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And and the 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 B team, if you will, I shouldn't call us the B team. That's mean because I love my gaming group. But like the the other team, because Jengus's is uh gaming group was already pretty far ahead. They'd played all those expansions. The only one that Jengus hadn't played was the base game, which he played with us in that original review. Um, but uh, my play group then moved on, and we were able to catch up. Um, and we blew through those games, man, and we're still like. Right now, we're in like withdrawal. Like we, we can't mm-hmm. wait for Brothers of the Coast to come out, the next expansion of the game. Um, I'm yearning, especially because like there's something that happened in the expansion before. Stella Drive is the most recent expansion to release, um, but right before a Stella Drive, the expansion was Prophecy of Dragons, I believe. Was the no, it was Lumen Fide. It was you're right. It was Lumen Fide. In Lumen Fide, something happened. That was such a, like a literal, quite literal game changer. And I'm still waiting and salivating for that to pay off. Estella Drive sort of takes a breather from it um, and does its own thing. But I definitely want to see where it will, where it will lead. I agree. Um, Yeah. So by, by far time stories, board game of the fucking year. It really is. Yeah. Like. If you haven't started playing it, play it. Get some friends who you know you'll be able to play with a couple times. Yeah. Just start. And just roll through it, man. I also suggest, um, back when we first reviewed it, we recommended, um, or we said that the game 
can be played in multiple sessions. Like, you know, the, a single expansion can be saved. And if you don't have a lot of time, if you only have like an, like an hour, that might be a great thing for you. But I'll tell you what, when we start, I've never played a singular expansion for more than one session. When we start, we aim to finish the game. We want to, we want to, fin- we want to know. We want to end that story. If we start an expansion, we're finishing that night. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I've had to save once, mm-hmm. but picked it up very quickly afterwards. Yeah. But like, you know, it does happen. Uh, but yeah, time stories. Time stories, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Congratulations, time stories that's, on two golden dengue right. wins. <laughs> maybe you'll get another, maybe get another two next year if these expansions hold. <laughs> um, I feel like that's unfair to other games. Yeah, maybe other games just need to step up their game. That's true. I'm looking forward to games I'm looking forward to the new year. Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven. That should be an interesting one. I can't a wait. Contender yeah. for 2018's board game of the Don't year. Don't play with the other group. You play with us. Okay, I will. Okay. Um. So yeah, that's it for yeah. our episode of You Shall Not Pass Go, our anniversary special. That's right. That's that's another year down. Another year in the can. Uh, looking forward to on our next episode. We have a lot of great special guests coming up. Stephen Colbert is going to be here. Uh, <laughs> Some of our old favorites, Stewie Griffin. Yes, yeah, so Stuart Griffin's going to be here. Um, Seth MacFarlane himself yes. is coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we got we got a lot of great special guests coming it's gonna up. Be really so. good show. <laughs> it's going to be a really good show. Uh, yeah, we got none of those people. So, but but you we know. have you have us. You, you have, have Jengis. You have Dave. Right. And you have you have games. You have games. What more could you want? <laughs> happy New Year again. Happy, I guess. Happy New. Happy. Happy Go Year. What do we call it? Our new rotation. Happy Dangy. Happy Dangy. Grab a hold of your Dangy, squeeze it tight, and rock yourself to sleep. All right. Have a good one. If you liked this episode of You Shall Not Pass Go, please subscribe. Our episodes are monthly, and you can find this and many more podcasts on geekade.com. If you'd like to share your opinions about the topics of the episode or you just want to say hi, email us at ysmpgcast at gmail.com.